The Mahogany Project presents I Just Want to Tell Stories, hosted by Joe Anderson Jr., powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode six of I Just Want to Tell Stories. My name is Joe Anderson from The Mahogany Project, and today I have the busiest woman in goddamn Austin. Uh, Mr. Telltales himself. How you doing? I'm doing good. You know, you are the only person who I truly believe is busy. <laughs> you truly believe. Why you say that? Like, you Girl, because you know some of these girls be like, oh, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. They're not busy. They're not busy and they're not booked. So, <laughs> no shade, no shade, no shade. No shade. But it's true. Mm-hmm. You are really, really busy and you're really, really booked. I'm surprised we can make today happen. <laughs> well, I'm here. I was excited yeah. that you brought this date. I was like, okay, yes, I'm definitely in Austin. So okay, excited. you know, I'm I'm excited. You again, travels out mm-hmm. of the city, out of the state, yeah. internationally. <laughs> Joe, I'm about play with you, but girl. You busy? Okay. So here, and I just want to tell stories. The first thing I like to do is to tell people how we met. Okay. I, I, re- I remember how we met. This is the first for the season. Okay, okay. So I do remember how we met. We were both consultants for the first Black Pride. Awesome Black Pride. Yes. And that's how we met, at that meeting. Oh, at the... Uh, at the queue. At the queue, yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll and so, that. you know, somebody was a little late. It was not me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I had never met you before, but I think I had heard about you before. Someone was like, you're a writer. And I remember we exchanged information after the meeting about just writing together, collaborating potentially. Mm-hmm. We have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Four years later. Four years later. We, we have we, never done that. We have never collaborated, but we've always supported. Right. For sure. Always support. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Telltales, Mr. Telltales, tell the people what you do. Because you do a lot, so I don't want to mess up, mess up your uh, resume. <laughs> I don't want the goons coming after me. <laughs> You know your people, so my people's your publicists. Um, you know your managers. I'm, I'm looking. I'm, I'm actually looking for that right now. Girl, I'm, see, <laughs> see. I mean, I'm just a, a black Afro queer writer, performer, and a mental health activist. And what? So you have written a book. I have written a book. You are working on the sequel, I think. Um, or am I, am I putting it out there? Like well, two, two um, I did announce on. Um, my podcast showed that I'm actually not going to do the sequel first. I'm actually going to do the book I always wanted to do. Okay. So, which is? Which is kind of like this memoir-esque, but dealing with, you know, black queer and mental health. Okay. And two episodes we had, two episodes ago, we had your uh, podcast co-host, mm-hmm. Eric, episode four, and then you are coming in now on episode six. Mm-hmm. So it's What Works For Us podcast. Yes. Okay. Just to let the people know. And you also do What's In The Mirror. I and do. tell the folks about that. So What's in the Mirror is a, a, a nonprofit that I started, what, five, six years ago. It is a social movement that provides mental health awareness and suicide prevention for communities of color through art advocacy. Yes. Yes. And that is, okay, wait, for the people, for the record, <laughs> it has been four years and we have not collaborated. But I did hit up Tyreek the other day and we are, we, we are about to start working on an idea. Okay. Um, and I'm actually going to talk to him after, after this is over. Uh, off the air but <laughs> just know air. we are working on something it's gonna come it's gonna be amazing mm-hmm. it's gonna be bomb pussy um, and you can't curse on this podcast <laughs> obviously Yay. I just said bomb pussy potty mouth right. <laughs> where's the soap okay um, <laughs> and 
you are also are a playwright. And I like mm-hmm. to distinguish, like, playwright, author. I think it's a different medium. It's a different way you have to go about it. So you're a playwright, too. And you have yeah. produced your plays here. Yes. And directed and worked with. Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you coming out with any more plays? I know you're releasing the counseling session. Yes. Um, soon. Yes, I'm releasing the counseling session um, as um, for sale so people can purchase okay. the, the play and actually or read it online. But I am actually producing a play in August. I always produce a summer play. But it's not a play that I wrote okay. this time around. Because, I, I, like you said, the difference of being in the playwright world yeah. versus the author world. I have a play that I've been working on like for a couple of years, and I still just haven't finished it. Yeah. Because I switched over mm-hmm. focusing on the books and stuff like an article. So you can't really do both. It's two different mindsets, yeah. right? And so I'm like, damn, I need a play. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. and preferably a black queer play. It could have been, you know, trans, woman, whatever. I just wanted the, like, the black queer experience. And that's yeah. kind of like exclusively what I try to produce in some kind of way. It don't have to be, like, the main characters have to be, you know, black and queer, but it definitely has to have an element of, you know, education and yeah. visibility, right? So um, I found this play called Fireflies from this, um, I don't know if you heard of this playwright, Don J. R. Love. He's out in um, New York. not. Yeah. <laughs> so he has, like, the trilogy. But shout out to you, though. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Don J. So, so this is my first time directing a play that I didn't write. So... It's, it's interesting. But and it's in August. Is it here in Austin? It is here in Austin. Okay. Promo will be out two weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, you ain't got to say it because uh, <laughs> no, this, no. this episode has come out oh, much yeah. later than, <laughs> than when we were recording. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, yes. But we will like you know, let the folks know. We always support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go back. <laughs> let's go back. Um, you know, multi-hyphenate author, playwright, activist. Uh, let's go back to growing up. You grew up in Detroit. Yes. The other D. The, the real D. The, you know, the real D is in Dallas. <laughs> no. We'll say the other D. No. Uh, so you grew up in Detroit. What was it like growing up in Detroit? Um, I mean, my story is very similar for from most black queer um, males that grew up in the inner city. You know, it was rough. You know, broken family. Um, I relied on my friends. You know, I grew up in ballroom and stuff like that when I came out like at 13 and stuff like that. What so. categories did you want? Um, then I watched Schoolboy Realness. Oh, yeah, because okay, I was then. literally still in school. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't, it wasn't like, that far a departure right. from what I was doing. Okay, <laughs> and so like ballroom and all that is kind of like what I grew up in okay. versus like trying to like not be around family as yeah. much because family was not where I wanted to be per yeah. se. So I had my ballroom family. So, so how did or how do um, how did let me say how did that impact? you know, the art that you are produced much later in life? Well, I mean, I feel like as I got older, I realized, like, I mean, now we're getting all this glory and um, representation for ballroom, right? Yeah. Ballroom is everywhere. You yeah. know, Pose has put it on the map. Mm-hmm. Documentaries is popping up right. left and right. right. Girls is getting coins. <laughs> I'm like, you know. maybe I should get out there and walk on in Vogue and give me an international Girl, coin. Come on, school ballroom. <laughs> in Paris. <laughs> yeah. they are, you know, ballroom is on this big scale, but I just, even before that, I wanted to make sure that we were still telling the stories where mm-hmm. it can live on outside of just you know popularity yeah. you know are we doing you know as a writer you know it's important to preserve you know history or preserve experiences through mm-hmm. books and stuff like that and so that's why it was very important for me to um that's how it impacted okay. where i'm at now because like okay we got to get this on paper yeah. we gotta we can't just be all in the glimpse and glam of it and then you have the 30 years yeah. from now you know we're looking at video but ain't no books right for the young person to pick up and you know behind us and read and stuff like that and read about the process too yeah you know? 
What was the very first piece of art or anything, a poem or anything that you produced? Produced. Or written, wrote, oh. whatever. Like, what was the first piece of art that you came up with? Okay, so I was real, like, weird as a kid. Like, so I remember, like, being, like, 12, 13, writing TV shows. Like, I was obsessed with TV shows. Okay. And so, like, uh, I remember being at my grandma's house literally writing TV shows, whatever. I always Bitch, wanted to. What were your TV shows about? It was, like, family. I think I had one called, like, Let's Stay Together. <laughs> 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 and it was like on this note like you know those little blue legal pads yes. yeah I took Girl. the whole yeah, it was like episode Girl. one episode <laughs> two <laughs> and I always think about like damn where is that legal that's probably some good shit you girl know? <laughs> let me find it so I can just keep it's gonna be worth some money okay <laughs> so I think that was the, the first uh, thing African I ever. American Culture Museum in DC soon that's what I think <laughs> okay well, look, I'm, I'm speaking it into it. existence yes, yes. manifesting <laughs> uh, so that was the first that was you got into TV show writing at first yeah oh, I just, mean you know, I was just a, very imaginative yeah. back then like I used to just write that yeah. kind of stuff and never even thought I was going to be a writer right so that wasn't even me trying to be a writer it was just what, what I did, did the past to time when you were young like what, what did you imagine you were going to do um uh international law stuff like that yeah so I went to school even like even so I kind of stayed on the same feel like you know my degree is in political science yeah. and international studies so I knew I wanted to do kind of like like in high school, like international law, that was like, girl, law is not for me, but politics. Yeah. Nonprofit, that was always maybe politics or something like that. That was growing up. Something in that field, right? And then as I got to college, you know, um, theater for the press became. Mm-hmm. So I always knew, like, even in college, I wanted to do, like, have a um, theater company that produced and did stuff for, like, marginalized communities. Yeah. But again, it's like a full circle. Like, I didn't really know I was going to do that. But as I go back to, like, you know, college papers I wrote yeah. and theater classes, I took, all right. What I'm doing now is what I was saying I was going to do, but never really connected the two. Yeah. It just happened. Like, so what? What? When did the when did the light switch come on? Uh, kind of when I moved to Austin. I feel like Austin. That's why I love Austin because it was like actually my muse to actually start being yeah. an artist. I lived in Atlanta and I didn't do anything. Like okay. when I graduated from college, I shut it all down. I wanted to party. You know, you know, be, you know live your best life. <laughs> live my best life. You know, got the out of college jobs. I wasn't really creating anything um, back then. When I moved to Austin, that was kind of like my mindset: go somewhere where nobody knows you, right? Yeah. And um, start over and really focus on the things that you always wanted to do. And okay. so that's kind of how it happened. So you went from Detroit to school. Mm-hmm. And I know where you went to school. You don't have to say. Okay. <laughs> and then you went to Atlanta. Yeah. Okay. And then you came to Austin. Yes. So how did all of these places uh, influence or how do you incorporate all of these different people that you met into the art that you produce? Because you went to some very different places. Yeah. And I think really all the different places helped me to be able to like, okay, I grew up in Detroit, so that's, I'm black as fuck, right? You know, hood as fuck, have all those elements, ain't no question about, Come on now. you know, then going to school, that was a PWI, right? And so that was my first, I didn't want to go to HBCU, I got accepted to HBCUs, but I specifically didn't want to go to one, because I grew up in Detroit, I was like, I don't want to be around more black folks. Yeah. I want to see what other people look yeah. like. Because Detroit ain't, you know, uh, diverse. Yeah. It's, it's all black. I didn't 
ever see white people really, you know. Well, you know, now it's a little bit, it may be a little bit different. Yeah, oh yeah, justification yeah. is yeah. real. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't have scooped up all the bathroom. Okay. okay. <laughs> and so I wanted to go to a PWI, and after that I was like, I need to go back so we're real black and yeah. real gay, right? Yeah. And so I, Atlanta, I took one bag and... Girl, one bag. One bag. You were not the bag lady. I, I took one bag over the summer when I graduated and moved to Atlanta like I'm starting a new life I don't know what was going on I, didn't I got a new attitude <laughs> <laughs> and so that helped me be here in a predominantly white city and be able to be a black queer person to be able to identify with my history and mm-hmm. how I grew up and also how to navigate in this, in this space that's predominantly white yeah. who are some of your mentors who are some of the people that you look up to wow that's a good question um, I've been getting that a lot today no <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, well, more contemporary, um, like I met George Johnson in um, New York last weekend, okay. and he's coming out with his first book, um, All Boys, All Boys Are Blue. He's a um, he works for most of the publications, like Huffington Post. He does articles and stuff like that. Then he's coming out with a book with his major, you know, publishing company mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so when I look at it to like, well, if I ask myself like, what what is it? What does it look like for you? Like, what do you want? Yeah. You know. Um, to obtain real soon, not something like 10 years from now, like maybe a year or two from now. I feel like he's a really good representation. I like his articles. I like what he writes about. Um, Darnell Moore is another one. Um, Mm. You know, um, so it's a lot of black queer academia, people that I'm um, really experiencing their work and really experiencing how they're navigating through, you know, what it is to be a black queer writer you know and then definitely the activist part right because i don't think you can separate the two right now right like if you're writing about something that ain't important i mean cute yeah <laughs> it's girl, cute. we got some shit to do we, we got shit to do and so i feel like that's you know those just to name a few of course like historically james baldwin yeah. historically um the story of elan harris and how he was able to sell books out of his like he was my inspiration with my first book like i didn't yeah. need a major publishing i'm gonna do self-publish if elan harris gets. Girl, and you are selling these books <laughs> you are selling i appreciate them what's the name of the book <laughs> no bond so strong okay and where can people buy it you can buy it at mr telltales.com okay, m-i-s-t-e-r-t-e-l-l-t-a-l-e-s but of course barnes and nobles yeah. and amazon yeah mm-hmm. it's girl it's a good book we'll get to that in a minute um <laughs> I do want. I do have a question. So one of the things I'm fascinated by when I talk to creatives mm-hmm. is the process. People do not see. They see the product. Mm-hmm. They do not see the process, mm-hmm. which can be a lot. Mm-hmm. So what? When you get a new idea to do to create, mm-hmm. what is the first thing that happens? So what? What are the first things that happen after that? And it, so I'm right in that process, right? I'm like specifically in that process right now because I'm working on this new book that I was yeah. just said. So. I feel like for me now, growing and knowing better mm-hmm. is really um, changing my lifestyle. That's the first thing. I can't write if I'm not focused. Yeah. And so I have to figure out well, what what does that look like? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, am I, do I need to start going to the gym and where I can stimulate my mind and then, you know, and do I need to stop going out and stop being a social butterfly as much? And you know, those things is, first so, yeah. so like this week for example I didn't do anything Monday through Thursday I went out last night but you know usually I would you know dip you know the vent here or right. you know try to you know you know what I say um, kiss babies and shake hands yeah you, gotta, you gotta do that when you're a creative yeah you gotta network when you're a creative and having your own product yeah yeah and so I feel like that's the first thing I do figure yeah. out where the focus is and once I get like a sense of focus and like write everything out and really have it in my mind 
then I can begin to start. So like I've written like the first 10 pages, right? But that's really me figuring out my rhythm. A rhythm. Yeah. You have to find a like, rhythm a, and a routine. A rhythm and a routine cuz otherwise you're going to be all over the place. Uh, so do you <laughs> So do you write like a um what is that? Like a, a skeleton of like what you want to do? Do you just get to the computer? Do you even use a computer? Like some people write by hand. I don't know how to do that. I but, write by hand. Oh girl. Well, I do a little bit of both. Okay. I do a little bit of both because a lot of ideas sometimes come to me. I feel like being strictly to the computer limits my um, thought process a little bit and it takes me like when I'm writing by hand I can write 10 20 pages yeah. I'm typing I'm stuck on the first three right. pages because I'm looking at what it looked like and yeah. I'm not really just writing yeah. I'm actually editing and writing all at the same time Which, and, <laughs> yeah. and I shouldn't write yeah. and um, I haven't been able to master that like to just look at the computer screen and just go do 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 and not pay attention yeah. I'm looking at the red line right. I'm looking at, I'm looking right. at the, everything and it's it, like girl Microsoft Word stop yeah, here yeah. <laughs> you know I'm looking at it should it be a, uh, a tab here yeah. about the next paragraph but if I'm writing by hand I'm not looking at any of that that's just me just writing. So I like to journal. Like I have a journal. Mm. So I journal everything. I journal. Went to the store. I would recorded the podcast. Like I, I I journal. I try to do it every day. You really try to document, kind of like what you're doing mm-hmm. to preserve it, like for the future. Um. Or just to do it for sanity. I think sanity for me to know and then when I go back and so it's like a what I'm doing and what I need to do type of thing mm. like my little journal I carry it everywhere with me in my book bag and it really I go back through the pages and be like oh shit I didn't uh, do this you know what I'm saying because I have it on my list on Monday here it is Saturday and I'm like damn I forgot this so it really helps me to stay on track but it helps me process the stuff I, I like I like journaling it's, it's, it's you know therapeutic in that way so do you come up with like um a process for every piece of thing that you create. Um, well, my to process keep track. And so um, normally, like, so playwriting. What I typically always did, I had these. Like, I'm old school. Like back in the day, I still I buy me a new mead uh, one subject notebook, yeah. and <laughs> each one. I saw so any new project or new play or new idea. I could buy. I literally be excited, and I go buy me a new little one subject notebook, and I might write whatever that project is. Like you know, on the white part, yeah. and then I create. And so I have like like ten of those mead notebooks things that that I've had over the years of like so the constant session is it's all written out on this in a subject notebook you know um, Rose Universe anything I've ever written as yeah. far as playwriting is all written out but I can't do that now per se um I've learned that write everything out my head it, you know it's good but it's not good so I, I balance it so I don't really get the new notebook I might just write it out and then I gotta type it. Yeah. I need to see how many words right, I read. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I can spit all your writing, then type it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll take forever. Girl transcribing your notes. Yeah. Just like what was this word? <laughs> oh um, yeah. yeah, bad hair writing, right, girl. Yeah. And, and that's what I feel like when I would write. I would be like, "What did I just write down?" <laughs> um, and I hate when because. Being a creative, things come to you at a moment's notice, and yeah. you have to like document that right then, so you can like have it mm. to go back to it later. I remember waking up one time out of a dream, and I was like, "Oh, that's a good like line for a piece," and I wrote it down. Went back to sleep, woke up, and I was like, "I don't know what the fuck I just wrote. <laughs> I 
have no idea. Oh so I've God. been trying to do like more voice memos so I can like hear myself mm-hmm. and like do the cadence and stuff like that. Um, so I definitely get, I appreciate people who can write that stuff down. Mm-hmm. I am definitely a computer person now. Mm-hmm. Specifically Google Documents. Okay. <laughs> That's what I used to organize. Because I'm all over the place. But what is the one thing that you have always wanted to create that you have not created yet? Oh, the one thing. Um, like your dream project. I would I, I would say it's the play that hasn't came out yet. The ones and, you've been working on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it is ballroom related. Yeah. But now the post, so it's kind of like this thing, like uh, pose is out yeah. now and everything is ballroom. But I still feel like it's a piece that's, you know, we need. So... I would say that, oh, God, that's a good What do you question. think, like, is the reason why it's not finishing? Oh, because it's that important to me. Yeah? Yeah. It's that important to me, so I, it's, 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 it has to be ready. Yeah. And it has to, I really want it to be big, and so I don't know if it can, in a space that I, you know, I usually do box, a black box theater, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that, uh right now where I'm at as far as funding and stuff like that that I can do it on this scale that I wouldn't want to do it on so maybe I have to keep pushing to another level to get that real coin I'm selling some more books yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no bonds so strong mm-hmm. um well let's go to to the book okay. so I read the book and okay. we have talked about the book you know offline mm-hmm. um I was I did not think the book was going to be that intense Mm-hmm. It was very intense. So, where did the idea to write the book come from? Um, well, I just felt like it was a lack of books for young black queer to pick up and read, whether it's tragedy or triumph. It's nothing there. Like, once you get past Elan Harris, once you've done all your due diligence to James Baldwin, maybe a little, you know, James Earl Hardy, Beat Boy yeah. Blues, that you're kind of, if you're not interested in reading academia you're kind of stuck for yeah, it's not a lot out there. It, it's not a lot out there for pleasure versus yeah. academia and so I felt like that's why I was very adamant like now I'm trying to do this you know mental health da, 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 yeah. but I was very adamant that I wanted to create a, a story you yeah. know what I'm saying that people could relate to you know hood hood stuff you know and, throw it in there bitch <laughs> yeah and so you know so a 15 year old growing up in I don't know, Oakland, California can pick the book up, be like, wow, this is going on. And whether they can, whether they're looking at it like I've experienced this or like, oh, this is what black queer culture can be like in urban city. And so that was why it was very important to um, tell that kind of story first. There are four main characters in the book. Mm -hmm. So which character do you feel like you most relate to? Well, I felt like definitely I told the story from the perspective of Trayvon, and uh, Trayvon would, would have been, he's a, a, a little version of me to a certain degree, but, you know, I named him Trayvon after Trayvon Martin, and all of this, you know, writing, you have thought. Exclusive, it. folks, and exclusive. <laughs> and so he was, yeah, so he's the, you know, the, yeah. the one that, the voice of the, the story. And are the other characters based on other people in your life? Every every character is based on someone that I know, but okay. it's not necessarily like one person. Right. I, I wanted to tell sure. the whole experience, so it could have been the nigga I knew two blocks over, yeah. and he had his you know you know push his mama down the stairs. It's all like it's you in the book. You in the book. You in the book. And this experience in the book. Yeah. Okay. And it was I I I thought it did a really good job of telling specific stories 
and bringing up some specific things that we don't talk about, mm-hmm. like body, um, I don't want to say body shaming, but like feeling confident and comfortable in your body. Mm-hmm. And then a little bit of like, kind of, I think it was Robert, mm-hmm. was it the kind yeah. of like plus size character? Mm-hmm. Um, using men as a way to try to find validation in ourselves a little bit mm-hmm. uh, or a lot bit because <laughs> girl I don't want to give too much in a way in a way in the book but it was like searching for that validation mm-hmm. so what made you want to bring these issues to the forefront when you wrote the book well I mean it was issues that I seen yeah. you know it was people that I knew that was living these experiences and again if we don't tell these stories then you know, what if it's someone else in that same position or, you know, then they read it like, whatever, well, am I doing this? You know what I'm saying? Like, if I buy niggas cars, right. you know, for some, for some dick, you know. And I and, definitely else people that did that. Right. And again, we don't, we, we might key key about it, but let's write it and let's talk about it because it is real. You know, people don't mind selling their bodies or, you know, buying Dick, cars, yeah. you know, but first car and going broke doing it, right? Right, right. and we ain't talking about the rich people. That's the sequel. Right? That's the that's the part two of the story. Well, on your mama credit, girl. <laughs> let's not get too much into it because somebody's mad at us right now. <laughs> um, are you technically trained in anything that you do? Trained, like technically? I, did you go? Well, I went to the. I did took up theater, okay. so I took theaters I didn't major in it with my okay. minor so but only because I didn't want to take theater history yeah. I didn't want to read about a bunch of old white yeah. theater so come I didn't <laughs> come on Shakespeare bye right. um, to be or not to be girl right. not yeah. um, <laughs> so how do you let's say someone growing up and we I don't know if we talked about this but I know we talk about like you know trying to be representation for like folks who are younger Someone's growing up, they don't have access to, you know, maybe theater class, they didn't go to school. How, what are some ways that they can, like, still be creative, still find how to do their craft? Yeah. Um, but on the budget, bitch. You know? On the budget. I definitely feel like the way I did it, like, so I didn't go through theater through, like, college. I mean, I did it in college, then, you know, this long break. Yeah. So, really, my entry into, like, producing this stuff is community theater, mm-hmm. right? It, it's not right off, you know, I don't have an MFA, yeah. I, you know, I'm not, my next play isn't, you know, being read in front of my class yeah. and stuff like that. It's, so, um, I wasn't producing then in school, so I just got the training there, then we're talking about 10, 12 years. So, I feel like community theater, you have access to your community, mm-hmm. you know, and I feel like someone who's writing, someone who's not in school. I mean, you don't really... The training when it comes to creating art is really just doing the work. Yeah. You're just doing the work. I mean, you could, I could teach you anything, yeah. you know. And it, like, again, I went to school in theater and didn't do any theater yeah. for almost a decade. Yeah. So it's like, bitch, you ain't doing that. Yeah. So it's really just doing the <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, bitch, can you act? Like, bitch, can you, can yeah. you, you know, do theater administration? So I think that's the... Um, the idea, if you really want to do it, don't let the training in creating is doing it. Yeah. So go to your community theater, go like see what, you know, it's money, every major city or even small cities has community theaters, True. have money, tax money, get those grants, you know, it's there, you know. It, you gotta search, bitch. Yeah, it, it's there. And I would say community theater. It is definitely one of the things I've noticed in being a creative it it's hard work because you may work a full-time job may work a part-time <laughs> job and then you gotta create at night i mean i was texting cam this week at like 10 o'clock at night and i was like oh i'm so sorry for the text message <laughs> but this is the only time i can create and people don't realize like the the work that you have to put in mm-hmm. outside of 
social life. You may be in a relationship, maybe booed up. You got to give time to that girl. It's just, it's a lot. Um, so how do you, what, what is one thing you would tell a, a new creative, regardless of age, you know, 50 or five? Well, not five, 15. Let's say 15 or 50. Um, on just the amount of work to prepare them for this this world. If they really are true, they yeah, want to make this their craft. Yeah. Well, I, kind of going back to what I said, get centered. Because like you said, it is... I was in rehearsals to 12 o'clock the other night, right? You know what I'm saying? After working all day and meeting, in rehearsals to 12 o'clock, then got to go to bed, then got to get back up at, you know, 7 to start the day over again. So, like you said, if you're working and creating, the days are long. Like, my day do not end when I clock out at 5 o'clock. That's the big, the first day has ended. Right. right. <laughs> after that, yeah. the, the AM day, yeah. after that is the whole nother day. It's almost like being creative and working, you have multiple days in one day. And then you have to go and kiss the hands and, sh- and yeah. kiss the hands. Yeah. Shake the hands and kiss the baby. Kiss the baby. Like you said, your relationship, you might have yeah. to make sure home is right. And then you're writing, you're thinking, you're creating. All over the place emotion, emotionally. And so that's why I would say you really have to figure out what I admire by some a lot of people that I'm meeting, um, this whole centered thing, this whole um, like whether it's yoga, whether it's um, I don't know, just how you I don't know the Zen and yeah. you know being connected, self care, being really attentional. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a lot of times we're not attentional about things that can actually help us stay focused, and that's when I you know I'm like trying to drink my teas, mm-hmm. you know I got coffee today, but just those things you know supplements you know. Just those things that you can intentionally do, like, hey, I have to do this if I want to stay at this pace. Yeah. Because you can crash. <laughs> you can crash. Yeah, we have been there before, child. <laughs> right. Don't crash. Don't crash. So you got to be attentional, though, because you're going to crash. If you ain't intentional about it, you're going to crash. Ain't nobody perfect. It's going to catch up to you. Yeah, it's going to catch up to you. So you have to be intentional about staying, you know, um, on a certain focus level. Well, Mr. Telltales, this is the last question I'm going to ask. Uh-oh. So we do this every sh- every, every episode. Um, <laughs> we do top five okay. in no specific order, but I just give a random category. Okay. And since you are an internationally known traveler, <laughs> okay. um, you know, bitches know about you in London. Uh, the category is top five again. Okay. The category is cities. So tell us your top five cities that you've ever been to. For, you know, any specific reason, you know, little thought trip, you know, little work trip, <laughs> whatever. whatever, whatever. Top five cities. I'm going to say, hands down, New Orleans is my favorite city. Okay. We um, approve that message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I say New York. Okay. I, I would feel kind of cliche. It's going to be all like the major black cities, yeah. right? New York. Uh, uh, let me be clear. So, New Orleans, I'm going to say Detroit. I'm going to be rude to my city. Okay. Um, just because I was born there. Uh, so, New Orleans, Detroit, New York, Atlanta, um, and one uh, more. Uh, one more. Uh, what did I? Say? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying to be like. I don't want to say Austin, but I would say Austin. I'm just okay. going to put Austin because what Austin has been to me. Okay. So, New Orleans. New Orleans. Uh, New York. Yeah. Atlanta, Detroit, and Austin. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I'm excited. Tell Congratulations can, uh, on your show. Oh, thank yeah. you, girl. We're six episodes in, I and you're the first person that told me that. So thank, <laughs> thank you. I don't know what the, what the fuck these other people are doing, but 
Thank you. You gotta, you gotta give people Finally. roses. Right, right. <laughs> and I do like flowers. I kill tulips, so don't give me those, but I do like flowers. Roses, preferably. You know, all my exes know that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few of them bring you Ooh, some. Oh, girl. Okay. Let's end the show now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Where can, they, where can the people find you? MrTelltales.com, M I S T E R T E L L T A L E S, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. All right. Yeah, Mr. Telltales. Thank you so much, and love and light, everyone. See you next episode. I love. I Just Want to Tell Stories is hosted by Joe Anderson Jr. for The Mahogany Project and produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network. 